This is KBUT. The Ute Mountain Ute Tribe operates a large farm and ranch on the parched landscape in southwest Colorado. Austin Cope of KSJD and Western Slope Resources Reporting has the story of how this farm and the water it requires sprang to life. The gravel road that leads to the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe Farm and Ranch Enterprise winds through 11 miles of desert grass and dry brush. But as you come over the top of a hill, the desert landscape stops at the edge of a huge field of bright green alfalfa plants. More fields appear as you come closer to the farm, 20 minutes drive from the highway. The water that allows these plants to grow comes from a reservoir about 20 miles away via 41 miles of canal. It allows the Ute Mountain Ute tribe to grow over 7,000 acres of alfalfa, corn, and wheat, and to raise over 600 head of cattle. The farm sells the commodities on national markets to support the tribe. But this farm hasn't always been here. In fact, the story of its origin relates closely to how that reservoir, called McPhee, was built. It also tells the story of how the Ute Mountain Ute tribe used its sovereignty to bring water to its people. Before the arrival of European settlers, the Ute people were highly mobile. Instead of farming, they harvested wild plants and hunted wild game. But in the mid-1800s, they ran up against white settlers who'd been encouraged by the U.S. government to settle out west. Several treaties with the federal government in the mid-1800s forced the Ute people onto reservations in Colorado and Utah. One of those was a Ute Mountain Ute Reservation. But in the desert, water is an important part of development. At first, the white settlers controlled most of it. Over the course of 100 years, several dams were built to irrigate parts of the surrounding region. But that irrigation never reached the reservation. Even by the 1980s, local water manager Mike Preston remembers showing people the difference between tribal lands and the nearby valley. We used to take them up on a high point where you could look south over the reservation on a sea of brown and you could look north up the valley and see this lush irrigated valley. At that time, the tribe's headquarters and principal town of Toyak didn't even have drinking water. Residents had to haul it from the town of Cortez, about 15 miles away. They had an elderly group of of men that would get a tent truck, and they'd go to Cortez, they'd fill that water truck up, and they'd come down to Toyak. That's Eric White. He's a member of the Ute Mountain Ute tribe and a longtime employee at the Ute Farm and Ranch. He says his family had two 100-gallon tanks that they would fill full of water. Sitting there waiting, and when they come, you go right out there, fill your pail, run it back into the house, and that's what you drink your water with. The federal government had planned to build another dam that could have brought more water, but that project had been placed on hold indefinitely by President Jimmy Carter in the 1970s. But the tribe needed the water, and it had some bargaining power. A U.S. Supreme Court decision from the turn of the century had given it the most senior water rights in the region, based on a treaty from the 1800s. The tribe could have claimed water from the Mancus River, where reservoirs had already been built. But doing so would have taken water from existing farms and communities in the region. Plus, there was no infrastructure to transport that water to the main part of the reservation. Mike Preston was on a negotiation task force initiated by the tribe. There are two types of settlements. One's called paper water, where you get get water decreed to you, but you don't have a way to develop it. That's, That's known as paper water. Wet water is water that you can actually drink and put on crops. So instead of a cash payout or a water rights decree, the tribe opted in favor of quote-unquote wet water. In a settlement with the U.S. government that literally involved an act of Congress, the tribe gave up its more senior water rights on the Mancus River to the east in favor of more junior rights on the Dolores River to the north. 
That settlement also brought federal funding for canals and pipelines to actually get the water onto the reservation, as well as a startup cost to build a farm. And, most importantly, it involved the construction of a large reservoir along the Dolores River, now called McPhee. It followed almost exactly the same plan that had been placed on hold by Jimmy Carter in the 70s. And though other irrigators and communities in the region were involved in the decision, Preston says the project would not have happened without the tribe's involvement. In 1986 is when the, you know, the settlement got signed in, in principle. The tribal chairman told me, get ready to build a farm. The farm started trial crops in 1987. It has expanded over the years to what it is today. But just because a tribe has a water rights and a farm doesn't mean it can use as much water as it wants. Next time on Western Slope Resources Reporting, I'll talk about how the farm uses high-tech systems to minimize its water use and make the farm run as efficiently as possible. I'm Austin Cope in Cortez. This story is part of Western Slope Resources Reporting, a collaboration between KSJD and four other radio stations in rural Colorado, made possible with support from the Gates Family Foundation.